As I got another rhyme, another rhythm for y'all to listen. I'm never quitting on my mission. I'ma roll with what I'm giving. Got some ambition, this new edition, filling positions. Looking at devoiding myself and feeling what's missing. Better watch the way you're going. Better go in the right direction. In the moment you stressing, but you gon' be counting blessings. And I know that for certain. Keep on working, open curtains, haters swerving, cause they ain't ready for your final version. Whoa. I'm never gonna give up, give up. You're listening to the Tom Ficklin Show on WNHHLP 103.5 FM, your home for community radio. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. And that was Harry, our station manager. And when every time Harry emphasizes the home for community radio, that kind of resonates for me because it's not just your block or your street or your city or your municipality, but it's this, it's the community of the world that we're really uh addressing and even if there's a, a local issue that a topic that we're discussing these issues uh pertain to anyone on the planet we're going to talk about violence today and certainly much of recorded history is a, is a history of violence uh domestic international personal uh but we are going to focus on something called the connecticut violence intervention program the connecticut violence intervention program and we're even blessed to have the executive director of such of this of this esteemed organization, Mr. Leonard Jihad with us. Leonard, good morning. Great morning, Brother Fickland. How's everything? Good. So so Leonard, as I say, is the executive director of the Connecticut Violence Intervention Program. You know, Leonard, when I was looking at the your the acron the uh, the letter C T V I P, it seems to me that I really like that because we want everyone to be a VIP and not to be a returning citizen and not to be a criminal and not to be incarcerated and not to have these labels. Uh, or or an offender had these labels uh, ascribed to you. So we want to, yeah. Your your mission is that we all can become VIPs and and very important persons in our in our own right. Leonard, I'm going to take a little bit of a personal liberty, if I will, from an introduction standpoint, and just share with people that one of my first recollections of you was it not at um, uh, Stop and Shop, but I guess it was it was Shaw's, I believe, before it was Stop and Shop, correct? The supermarket. Yeah, and I absolutely. my rec. My recollection is your 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 fraternal organization was passing out food uh, in front of Shaw's, uh, and I mentioned that for folks for for people to kind of understand that you've been on this journey of feeding the feeding the community with with body, mind, and spirit substance for a long time. I remember also Leonard, we were there was some uh, lecture at the Yale Law School, and I was. Coming out of it and saw you on, on the street there near near Toads. And I believe we were talking about you're raising money or trying to start a fund for people, kind of an emergency fund for folks that might be might be in distress. Uh, and I kind of share that because of whether, and we are going to get to the Connecticut Violence Intervention Program, but your journey has really intrigued me with the your fraternal group giving and sharing, uh, your academic uh, nurturing, the meeting that we had, and then the idea that you shared about. Uh, responding to people's emergency stress situations. And then then I believe I took some pictures of your retirement party from the correction, from the correction department. And you were with the correction department for how many years? Well, uh, state service was 25 in total, but um, I did 10 with Department of Corrections and 15 with um, judicial um, adult probation. So I retired as chief probation officer. Indeed. And so at your retirement party, you were you, you roller skated, and I mentioned that because it seems to me that most of your life is is trying to demonstrate whenever you can. Let's think out of the box. Let's be let's be creative. Let's have fun, but also let's be yourself. And so I was just so impressed with your roller skating at your retirement party. And then what really prompted me to the pleasure of meeting with you today is on, on air is that you made a a recent trip to the to the Midwest, as I recall, and it was and I saw your posting. Uh, in terms of, of violence intervention programs and how it, just your, your your continual search for for solutions for remedies for tactics for strategies so so let, let's let's jump right in we're going to talk uh, about your program the Connecticut <clears throat> violence intervention program we're going to chat about what uh street out street outreach workers credible messengers I would just say just uh Juneteenth bearers. I mean, this is Juneteenth weekend, so we have these various names for what your street outreach workers are all about, and your credible messengers. But they're they're bearing the the good news, and and this good news is that you can be liberated from uh from previous situations and don't get involved with previous with with negative situations. We also talk about 
some of the uh, we hear this term uh, Leonard evidence based, and all I all I know is we're, it's solutions. We're going to talk about some uh, what what's what, what rubber can hit the road to kind of reduce, eliminate, and if not abolish community violence. And then people have heard about this uh, cars being stolen. Uh, I have a I have, well, I'm not going to share what kind of car I have. It's a 1995. But let me just say that, that if they broke into it, the insurance company would not pay me that much. So that's why it hasn't been stolen. But this phenomenon of uh, of young men, uh, risk, for, for the most part, risking their life to kind of just to steal a car for 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 ego establishment. And then, ask, and then how can we help? Uh, Leonard, as I mentioned, we spoke earlier about you, you and your crew are not here to carry this cross by yourself, by yourselves. The whole community, everyone who's listening to the show, wherever you are on the planet, it can assist with reducing violence worldwide. So, so Leonard, good morning. Let, let, let's let's jump right in. Talk to us about the uh, the, the the mission and makeup of the of the uh, Connecticut Violence Intervention Program, which is Connecticut is deliberately mentioned statewide, based here in New Haven, but statewide. Absolutely. So we uh, started the program in 2018 for the street outreach worker program that was under New Haven family. And so um, upon retirement, I began work uh, with Family Alliance's program manager for the street outreach worker program. And so um, at the time, they were going through um, some conversion. They were, they were moving to the executive director. She retired. And so um, the city had contacted me and asked me if I would take over the program. And so we, we moved real fast. We were able to get a 501c3 and I took over the program. So um, we're contracted to work with youth ages 13 to 24 who are engaged in the most risky activity in the community. So by risky activity, we're alluding to shooters, um, so-called gang or group members, and also victims of community violence. So that's our contract, but we also work with the violent uh, reentry population also. So those who are, are coming back into the community after stays in Department of Corrections, we work with them and help them navigate in their transition back into the community. And, and Leonard, th throughout some of uh, the contact information, I'm, I'm going to ask this question of you several times throughout our the, the show. We have about 50 minutes, just how people, as they're listening, how they might be able to contact, uh, contribute, uh, participate in events. What's the best place for them to kind of connect with you guys? Um, our website is www.ct for Connecticut, ctintervention.org. So www.ctintervention.org. And uh, we can also we can also be contacted um, by phone also, 203-553-7282. Those Perfect. are the two uh, ways to contact us. Perfect. Uh, so just say a little bit more in terms of a historical perspective about why in 2023, we even still need programs like this. I can remember I went to my first Stop the Violence uh, protest or rally, if you will, back in 1998 with Bishop Brooks, <laughs> and and uh, it, it, it it's it's sometimes amazing, sometimes sad, sometimes just uh, sobering to understand whether we as a species are just. Uh, violent or whether or not it's the systems or just just what, what's your take on the on where this your current mission sits in terms of this this uh, historical problem that we've been trying to solve it, it's a lot you know the tide ebbs and flows you know um statewide regionally and also nationally also so um you know we can do everything that we can do to curb violence but then it's also impacted by national trends so mm -hmm. the last being um the covid in response to the COVID. We saw an immediate spike in community violence right at the uh, start of the COVID. And uh, it's not only affected us, you know, but, um, you know, similarly situated um, municipalities, you know, Bridgeport, Hartford, Providence, and some of the larger ones, Boston also. Um, so um, while there was a spike in community violence, our numbers were still lower than national trends because of um, our engagement in the community. Mm -hmm. and our ability to use those evidence-based programs. And it's, it's nothing that's um, unheard of. It's things like cognitive behavioral therapy and uh, mediation. Those are the biggest tools that we use in our toolbox to try to thwart community violence. 
And you've mentioned, and just before we, have, I want you to elaborate on that a little bit and, and kind of weave in your, your, your credible messenger street outreach, outreach workers, which I've kind of now ordained as your, your Juneteenth, your, your Juneteenth prophets hit, they can put that on the back of their t-shirt also. Um, uh, oh, I forgot exactly where I went with it. Well, anyway, so let's jump to the, the credible messenger street outreach workers and how they kind of, uh, you know, that they are your, your boots on the ground. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. So in order to impact those um, that are affected by community violence, by participation or being a victim, we want to learn uh, real experiences of people who, who are in the know. And mm -hmm. so we are credible messengers, those who are in that life who have redeemed themselves and now want to help clean up a community that they once helped destroy. So with that, um, you know, we look for people, look for people, you know, who have that voice, look for people that are impactful. And then, you know, usually we make them volunteer just to make sure that they're earnest and mm -hmm. they're not just giving a speech because everyone says, oh, I have a story. I want to give it to the youth, but it goes further, you know, beyond that story. Cause a lot of, sometimes some of it gets like real grandiose, mm -hmm. you know, I had this much money. I was the first one in New Haven with these rims or this Gucci suit. You know, that's not really doing a lot to impact the youth, especially when your story is from 20 or 30 years ago. You know, but if you're earnest in your message, you really want to change the direction and um, and the value system of our participants. Mm -hmm. You know, we do want to measure that. And then if you have that much, you know, then we can work on the other things, you know, your delivery, your story, um, and then other things that go into it. Because um, you know, everyone says, oh, I want to talk to the youth. I said, well, that's probably 20% of what we do. The other part is intake, assessment, referral, case management, hmm. meet, training. There's a lot that goes into it. So mm -hmm. yeah, small part of what we do. Oh, I know what I was thinking about. You were you were alluding to the the uh, the, the cycles and the rhythms of uh, things going up, being up and down in terms of uh, uh, incidents. And off, off, off and on, and it seems to me in the past, uh, Leonard, correct me, that summertime you, you've referenced as kind of a, things can kind of go up, become hot during the summer. Is that still your prediction for this coming? Yeah, you know? it's, you know, most violence is predictable. Um, we usually see a spike in the summer months and then around holidays, um, violence spikes again. People are traumatized, depressed, you know, during the holidays. Mm -hmm. and people usually come together. So domestic violence and things like that, that spikes also. So it's pretty consistent every year. So, so let's go back to the, the credible messengers. Earlier this week, uh, some of the folks from the city made a presentation where the board of alders are gonna vote on, I believe it's kind of an, an additional economic infusion to your organization to kind of bring on some, some, some additional uh, uh, credible messengers, some, some additional June, Juneteenth peace warriors. Uh, if if the board of alders do if we do vote favorably on on that recommendation, uh, how are these these additional troops uh, uh, add to your portfolio the, the the added value to your portfolio so to speak? So we, we like to stay present in the community, you know. Um, but things have changed like over the last uh, ten years or so. So whereas we were more in the streets on the corners, at the club letouts and things like that, you know, we weren't getting the most bang for our buck. Most of what we do in the correspondence and, you know, um, watching community violence, it happens on social media. Mm. So um, what we were doing, we were missing the boat, is that we didn't have enough credible messengers in the community. So we had five trying to oversee and supervise the entire city of New Haven. And certain areas like Fair Haven saw bigger spikes than we saw in uh, Beaver Hills. Mm -hmm. So we would deploy our services and, and all of our activities to focus, you know, on that. But then we were neglecting other parts. So, you know, the squeaky wheel was getting the oil. So now, um, and then we had caseloads that were, you know, way out of out of reach. So um, the caseloads were like one outreach worker to 25 to 30 participants. And mm -hmm. we weren't effective as we could be. Um, Data shows that um, through ceasefire and cure violence and other nationally recognized models, it should be one to 10 and at the most one to 15. Mm -hmm. So through the intake, we do assessment, we do classification, but we weren't doing it in a robust way. So with that, we can uh, get the caseloads down to a manageable, manageable you know, uh, caseload and give them the proper attention because 
this is not a traditional mentoring program. We're not dealing with kids who won't take the trash out, um, who are going to school late or staying out when, you know, past when the lights come on. These are the highest risk youth. So we're talking about, you know, three to four percent of the people, you know, doing 60 percent of the violent crime in mm. New Haven. Mm. You really, really have to put a full court press on there, and we can't be neglectful, you know, in our supervision and our engagement. Mm-hmm. So, with that, in short, we can get the caseloads to something manageable, you know, if we do get the uh, the increased funding. The, the 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 folks that presented earlier this week, and I appreciate your sharing that that context that presented earlier this week mentioned that also, if you do receive this additional economic infusion, that the uh, your, your your Juneteenth profits will be able to kind of stay with people longer. Uh, and it, that struck me as just key because we forget that, you know, the, the, the crawl, the walk, the swim, if you don't have the coach all along. So is, is that going to be the case? It'll be more of a sustained commitment? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and again, we're going by um, evidence, you know, regionally and nationally. They're saying that, you know, just the relationship building capacity. Mm at least six months mm-hmm. to us, you know, because a lot of the uh, participants that we have, they're used to being abandoned and neglected. And so, you know, our, our funding sources usually go year to year and they have to go past the year because we're mm-hmm. just really getting at the meat of um, referrals and the following up to the referrals and addressing those factors that contribute to violence. So if they don't have someplace to live, we have to get them someplace to live before we can try to get them a job. Mm-hmm. Or try to back in school or dealing with any type of substance abuse. So we have all these factors that contribute to it, but it does take some time. But unfortunately, the funding goes year to year to year. And then, you know, we start the relationship and then the funding ends. And then, you know, the kids are left being abandoned again. It's just going to further, you know, um, you know, their their um, relationships with convention, you know, mm-hmm. with a tra- belt you know, uh, with a counselor or therapist, because a lot of times kids will go to see a clinician and they'll see that clinician, they'll begin to open up. And then that clinician is, is an intern and they finish, you know, their semester or they're promoted or they go to another program and then they're left, you know, Mm. with oceans dangling. And now you try to recapture that and build that trust again. Mm -hmm. So so the, uh, the relationship has to be sustained. And, and you're listening to, to the Tom Ficklin show and Leonard Jihad is really dropping some some jewels with us, executive director of the Negative Violence Intervention Program, CTVIP, located in New Haven, uh, but also statewide. Leonard, just uh, uh, let's just stay on that point for a second, because you mentioned uh, the, the whole, you hear this term holistic approach, uh, but also so many factors, and it's almost a a mysterious calculus of what how, what what's what's keeping a person from being on, on the straight and narrow. But I want you to kind of weave in what you just said in the last uh, two or three minutes with what you've observed from oh coaching uh, junior football for be, seeing folks locked up, seeing fathers, and then I think you told me one time you've seen fathers, and even the son son comes into the comes into being incarcerated. Kind of weave, if you would, connect what you've just said in the last ten minutes with your with the, with your twenty to thirty years experience on where you see yourself going, the organization going, and what's the are, are we learning? Are, are are we in fact learning? Yeah, um, I throw words out like evidence based and things like that. I throw it out, but you know we're creating evidence, and there's evidence that we know that hasn't been researched and solidified. You know. Um, by major companies and, you know, universities and everything. We have good evidence that we know that works here. And like I said, it's basic relationship building capacities. Good. And say, you know, what's your magic? There's, there's no magic to it. You know, you see someone and, you know, you show them that they you care about them and it's consistent. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it usually reciprocates. You know, um, we've had a few referrals, not a lot, where the guys just totally don't want to be engaged. So, you know, we're, look, we're not here to judge you. We're just here to engage you to change your periphery, to try to just change your lens, mm-hmm. try to take you from law breaking to law abiding. We had some guys say, look, I want nothing to do with you or your program. I said, oh, that's OK. But it's OK when I see you, just ask how you're doing, how your kids are doing or, you know, what's going on. You know, just give them some dap and just keep it moving. 
Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we just tell them, I said, listen, you know, um, when you want me to stop caring about you, you let me know when you want me to stop caring about you. Mm-hmm. And I never one person say, stop caring about me. <laughs> right, 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 right. Everyone wants to be cared about. Everyone yes. wants a relationship, but they want a, a relationship that's going to sustain. Mm-hmm. And I do that with coaching. I, I've been coaching Pop Warner football since I came back from college in 1992. And, um, you know, and as you said, you know, we're, we're always learning. Uh, just a couple of years ago, the last game of the season, um, we knew we were going to lose. If we would have won, we would have been off to Florida for the uh, Pop Warner Super Bowl, but we weren't going to win. The other team was just better. And the kids were just on the ground crying, crying. And I said, um, we've lost games before. I said, that's okay. You know, we, we lost. Every team except one loses their last game of the season. I said, that's mm. okay. But it wasn't about the, the loss. You know, they were saying that we're not going to see you anymore. You know, we're not camaraderie. We're not going to have that uh, positive adult in our lives anymore. And um, and that's something that, you know, the coaches talk about now. How do we sustain those relationships with the youths, you know, year round? Mm-hmm. I mean, we out, you know, but, you know, we're always called coach. I got guys 40 years old that are calling me, still calling me coach. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, you know, those that that relationship, not just mm-hmm. going home or, or you know, more of a check-in. Because I start every practice, you know, with, how's school going? And if they say good, that's not good enough. I want them to say great. I want them to say amazing. And it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy that mm-hmm. I care that school matters and I care about their success. And 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 carry that theme, that, that re- reflection theme in terms of your decades uh, in the correction system and the probation system, because that, that's also what we see as a consumer. You see these movies, you see these detective shows, you see these police shows, but it seems to me that they either they glorify or they have a particular point of view. That's not really, it is it, not whole. It's not, we don't get the real insight in terms of the, the true drama, not the sensational theatrical TV movie drama, but, but the true drama and challenges and pathos of, of life. Yeah. I, I kind of liken it to those because I'm, I'm a car fanatic. You watch those old school shows where they get a car and they remodel them and, you know, and everything, and they can do it in an hour when actually mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, building relationships, sustaining those, you know, it takes a long time, you know, and if you can do it in an hour, it's probably a little bit more sexy, but, you know, that's just not reality, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. so, but it's easy, but, you know, I, I guess we, we make it a lot more difficult than what it's supposed to be. I worked in a prison 10 years. I was never assaulted. Um, I never had anything thrown at me, you know, urine feces. I mean, the guys next to me did, you know. But again, it's just building a relationship, a trusted relationship, and being respectful. I've had guys position me to take me out of harm's way when something bad was going to happen, you know, when I was working in a dormitory. Mm-hmm. And it, that they would do that because they care about you. And mm-hmm. respectful. You know, so um, there's no magic. Even probation, when I became a supervisor, the first thing that I did with um, our clerical staff, I demanded that they welcome everyone into the building because it sets the tone for their interview or their meeting with the probation officer. So it's like, you know, hey, how are you doing? Good morning. You know, where's your son? You didn't bring your son this time. How's he doing? Just things like that. That could be sure. the only thing they hear all day. And when we started to do that, people missed visits less frequently. Even they, they violated um, less frequently because even when there was an issue, they felt open to talk to their probation officer rather than hiding or just escaping and not coming in. Showing that, showing that the respect is showing the love. Absolutely, give them the the respect. Um, Absolutely, because things sometimes things would go bad and people would panic, and the culture would be that if you did something bad, that the probation officer would violate you. So you start showing up. So as a supervisor, I would have to review warrants and I would look at them and I would say, "This guy stopped showing up. Why he was showing up for so long?" And I would place a phone call before I signed the warrant. Mm -hmm. That's it. I'm in tomorrow. Let's take care of this. And, you know, they're like, this has got to be a trick. I said, the only trick is I'm going to sign this warrant tomorrow night if you don't show up. I'm giving you mm-hmm. one more opportunity to come. Mm-hmm. Most of the time they did come. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Issue. Uh, Leonard, where do we where do we go? Where do we go from from here? Uh, you know, it's Friday, June, June 16th, 2023. Do I have to have you back on this show two years from now and we're still dealing with the problem? Is is there 
do you want your son and daughter to, to succeed you? Where, where, where do we go from here in terms of uh, abolish, significantly decreasing the, the, the violent offender percentage? We, I mean, we're, we're an intervention program. Mm-hmm. So um, we're starting to work in prevention, but by the time we get a referral, that youth or um, that individual is already at that high level of community violence, of engagement, being a participant or a victim, or maybe even part of a group or gang, but they're at that high level right? to get ahead of it. And all the factors that contribute to it, you know. Well, let's I, hear about the factors. Let, let's pretend you're king of the world and you have as much money as Warren Buffett. You know, wave your magic wand. What do we need to have happen? Okay, number one, America um, has thrived off racism. Okay. So, um, you know, we, we look at other countries like Denmark and Germany, you know, where, you know, their incarceration rates are low and things like that. However, they're not dealing with institutional racism and intentional institutional racism that occurs, you know, in America. So one, I'd wipe all that clean. So there's a surveillance society that kind of picks up or uh, in terms of the dragnet Black and brown people, you're, su- you're suggesting are more subject to the dragnet than, than others. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Well, what's number two? The intentional part, and where we're creating, you know, a subculture, you know, where people, you know, can't thrive, you know, you know, um, similarly as someone, you know, of another race. So know, the, the the economic disparities. That's right. Okay. Number three. Only that, not only economic, but institutional, environmental, everything. Okay. That- Good, good. So, um, and and two, um, guns. There are more guns than in America than there are people right now. Mm-hmm. We've gun culture, and people think that they need to carry a gun to keep them safe. When data shows that guns don't make us safer, they make us mm-hmm. less safe. Say that again. Guns make us less safe. They do not make us more safe. They they make us less safe, and data does show that by the possession of a gun, by accidental shootings, or um, people think they're protect, protecting their uh, their person or their property, um, misusing the gun, or people um, burglarizing their home and, a, and, the home and the gun isn't safely stored. Mm-hmm. Suicide. Mm. And so guns do not make us more safe. And, the, and we've had more mass shootings than we've had days of the year in 2000. People were killed in America. So, um, you know, as arrogant as I am about America, you know, and I did serve, you know, there's uh, there's other places that had done a much better job than us. New Zealand had one mass shooting. They took away everyone's gun. Mm. No one had a gun unless you were hunting. They've had they haven't had one mass shooting since then. And for the most part, the you know the gun lobby, you know, it, it, it's a hobby to them you know mm-hmm. um it doesn't make a safe for one and then two they think that it empowers them and they're going back to the second amendment you know which goes back you know almost 300 years you know when people carried muskets mm-hmm. you know and we we didn't have that army and the armed forces to protect us to to enforce our borders so no i would take everyone's gun away and one one more point perhaps um well I, I like to just lump it, you know, um, more home ownership, mm. you know, um, reduce the economic disparities, um, fathers. Mm. Well, we know we're su- Sunday, allegedly, is Father's Day. The, all the Juneteenth events have kind of bumped, bumped Father's Day to the side a little bit in terms of our consciousness. But but talk a little bit about that, that, that uh, the, the need for that paternal, paternal I'm, influence. I'm just looking forward to getting another tie. I, I I'll take another time. <laughs> um, I'll say going back, um, and this is something that we always knew, but again, I don't move without data. Back in 2006, 2007, when I was a probation officer, we did the Raise the Age Initiative, um, where we took 16 and 17 year olds out of the adult arena and put them in the juvenile arena mm-hmm. with you know, what we knew. But at the time, North Carolina, New York, and Connecticut were the only states where 16 to 17-year-olds would be held in the adult arena. So mm. if you get 
a fight in school, you go to adult court in high school if you were 16 or 17. And then um, and if you went to services or programming, you went with just say um, a youth was smoking marijuana and you had to go to drug treatment. You would be in drug treatment with um, a heroin addict from Vietnam. Mm. Not the same. Mm-hmm. So, so through the uh, the legislation led by Tony Harper and, and Tony Walker, we did the Raise the Age initiative. And so I was given 35 youth to work with because I worked adult probation. I was working with adults. Mm-hmm. The thing that, I, um, that became readily present is that the 35 kids that I had, only one had a biological father in the house. Mm-hmm. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, and they just had a really, really charged relationship. He's West Indian. He's like my way or, or no way. And, you know, they just had a splintered relationship. But um, zero kids had, um, excuse me, one out of 35 had a biological father in the house. So mm. I became a or an uncle, you know, whatever. And um, prior to that time, the youth had a 60% recidivism rate within the first six months of their probation and adult probation. So 60%, three out of five kids violated in the first six months mm. because serving it properly. So um, with identified services and the relationship building capacity, we went from 60% to the next year to zero. Mm. zero mm. They need a mentor. They need mm. someone in their life who, you know, is going to be, um, Who's going to be there for them? Someone that they can go to when they need help. And the kids actually said that. They mm. said, you know, "I was retiring." They said, um, "Where do we go when we need help? We know that you're here. When you retire, how can we find you?" Mm. 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 That's that's quite a compliment. You're listening to the Tom Fitzman Show, and Leonard Jihad is with us, the executive director of the Connecticut Violence Intervention Program, located here in New Haven, but also statewide in its in its reach. And I would dare say, I know Leonard, you've participated on a number of panels and conferences nationwide. So people know about it, the CTVIP uh, throughout throughout the nation. Uh, if folks want to kind of oh, contribute, uh, dare I say mentor or volunteer, are you looking for in that, in that respect if someone's interested in kind of sharing some time or being or volunteering? So how, how can folks reach out to you uh, if they if you want to if they want to really join this very important crusade? Sure. I see um New Haven um, has a culture for service. Everyone wants to help in some capacity. You know, um, in the past, we've even had, you know, guys who hustled on the street. You know, they're like, listen, I'm out here. I really can't do a lot because I'm not living right. But here, can you take some money, take the kids to Six Flags or do whatever Mm. you want? We've had that also. Mm. So um, anyone can help in any capacity. If you have anything to give, if you know, um, we have kids that come to the program after school. They're looking for snacks. You know, if you can drop off some snacks or even we've had uh, folks on the shoreline who made prepared meals, mm. you know, chicken parm, um, Salisbury steak, things like that. They were mm-hmm. prepared. We'd freeze it. And it was a big hit with the kids, albeit they need a little hot sauce on it, you know, <laughs> but the meals and, you know, were there and the kids not only ate here, they took them home. Mm-hmm. So if you have time, you know, to, to assist with a group, to visit a child, we can give you some training also. Um, but the way to contact us is www.ctintervention.org on the website. And there's a link um, for, you know, how can we get involved or get involved? That's what it says. Excellent. Or also be reached by phone, two, two, excuse me, 203-552, no, excuse me, 553-7282, 553 and your New Haven location, you're on Ashman Street? Correct. We're on a two-acre campus here at the corner of uh, Ashman, and I'm looking right at it, and I can't... Well, we're right, we're right back at Wexler Grant in the new Q House. Indeed, and, and and for folks that aren't that familiar with New Haven, we've had the, the, the Elm City uh, kind of intervention, but yeah, you're you're right, the, the Q House, the Wexler Grant, then, then it's you. There's, there's a whole... We mentioned your two-acre campus, if you include the Wexler Scamp, what Wexler Grant footprint and the Q House footprint, that whole stretch, man, is just really impressive. And uh, not to mention once one Concord uh, gets going. So you're that whole Dixwell area revival. In fact, Leonard just says on the side, you're having an event that was formerly going to be on your campus, but now it'll be inside tomorrow. 
Yes. Yeah, so the last two years, the uh, Juneteenth committee, they held their event uh, right here um, at our site. And they had over 40 vendors and um, music, arts, um, presentations. And uh, because of the rain, uh, they moved to next door to Wexler Grant. And it's going to be larger than last year. I don't know how large, you know, I was just giving them the space. But they asked me if they can block off the driveway and have more vendors wrapped around the building, you know. Mm -hmm. So they were expecting more. But um, they will be at Wexler Grant. I, I believe they're partnered also with Cornell Scott. Yeah. And they're going to start their event. And um, next year, they're looking at blocking off the streets and everything, you know, to have an even larger event. Perfect. And, and talk about your location at Ashman, because I believe in terms of your your fraternal connection, you're having an event there in July. And, and just the point I'm trying to make is that there's there, there are various ways to solve this dilemma, and it's just providing something for everyone. And I guess if I can, from a metaphorical standpoint, just creating communion, create, creating an opportunity for communion. And so your fraternity, your your, uh, your your fraternal organization is holding an event, I believe, in in, in July. Right. So uh, white white party or something. Right. That's the, with the Shriners, um, Arabic Temple Number Forty, um, affiliated with um, Prince Hall Masonry. A couple of years ago, we had an idea because we have an annual cigar and sip event, but we want to do it on a larger scale. So uh, we did it right here at our site at 230 Ashman, and we had 375 folks that attended. And we had um, artists, some nationally recognized artists like Avery Wilson. Um, he came down and he, he killed it. He killed the show. And we had some local artists also. And last year we did it again. Um, as you remember, how hot it was last year in July. Um, uh, the heat index was over 100, and we have 475 people. Indeed, here. people, yep. And um, so this year, we're going to take a different role. We're not going to have, well, I think we're only going to have one artist, but we're going to have a jazz band and a DJ, you know, because people wanted more time to dance, you know. As mm -hmm. the, uh, So that'll be July 29th. It's a white party. A really, really nice event. And um, it's held right here, you know, on our lawn. And it'll be right around our community garden, which we have on our site also. And uh, we have flowers. It's a memorial garden for a young lady who worked with us who was tragically killed in a car accident. And we have uh, beds with vegetables in there. So we have uh, cucumbers and collard greens and broccoli. Mm. And so, um, the, the neighbors, they take part in it. Um, they watch the collard greens because, you know, with collard greens, <laughs> you can't really put a frost in them. So, so, so they're, they're waiting and they're watching. And then as soon as the frost hits, you know, they they come and they get the greens. Talk about uh, the the connection between the Connecticut Violence Intervention Program and these community events. What is the connection from your from your standpoint as you look at the whole panoply, the sociology, the the history, the I'll stop there say the, the theology. But what's the connection between why why you're making your citadel available in so many variety so many uh, various ways? Because we're we're all interconnected through. Uh, my Greek fraternity, Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated, and, you know, the Masons, the Elks, you know, a lot of the guilds and municipalities, you know, like the Firebirds, Silver Shield. So they all intersect, like, so much. And then, you know, if we can all do things together, we can be a powerful force in the community. But, you know, traditionally, we've, we've, we've been, like, like, so divisive and not working together. And even within your organizations, you have the older folks who really don't want to share information and leadership with the younger folks who have, you know, new technology and energies and everything. So we have to let the leaders lead, especially with the younger folks. We need to really groom them, you know, mm. for. And I'm a part of a lot of organizations and part of it, I mean, it's personal, you know, um, I have friends, you know, when things get to be a lot, I get to talk to my friends about it, you know, mm -hmm. or else be a clinician, for, you know, from all the things that I see. But there's not a lot of things that are organized for those who can't be in a fraternity because of their record or because of their social standing or whatever. You know, mm -hmm. we're trying to get that. But, you know, historically, you know, it, it has been set up like that. So we try to create those opportunities to have conversations or have barbershop talk, you know, just come out here and have a cigar, you know, have a sit and just come on, everybody, you know, let's just build and talk. I love that. I love that because, because as, as you know, we yeah we did have the the, the paper bag kind of problem uh, over the, over the years. I won't describe what that is. Uh, don't want to get myself <laughs> so and but but you, but it is really encouraging to hear you hear you talk about how we can build build unity in the community uh, and, and still keep our 
our, our brand integrity. I, I like that kind of share, share, share the wealth. I mean, people talk about the divine nine, as far as I'm concerned, we should make it like the, the divine 20 so to include the, the Elks and the Masons and, and the Boule, et cetera, et cetera, or the divine 30 for that matter, for all of our um, African uh, Methodist Episcopal Zions CME Baptist <laughs> Association. So the list goes on. We have about uh, 10 minutes uh uh, so as things cross your mind that we haven't discussed, please uh, bring that out. Talk a little bit, if we can, if we jump to the uh, the, the Kia Boy syndrome. I'm assuming that it's it's kind of uh, subsided in terms of young people stealing keys, Kias, and I think it was, it was Hondas as well. I think it was Kias and, and and another brand. But what what is that symbol? What did that symbolize to you when you saw this phenomenon? And you referenced the impact of social media earlier. But 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 share the the the, the, the this uh because I I had some young people that have been talking to me and they just said yeah it was just for the thrill but but what did that say to you given your long history of of trying to uh, increase the peace here in New Haven and particularly yeah. among young people the uh, the the Kia boys um they've been around for a couple of years um it really struck home in New Haven uh, last fall but we did some uh, history on the Kia boys. And it started out of Milwaukee. Mm. So they've been dealing with this since the start of COVID. Mm. So with TikTok challenges and other challenges on social media, um, some irresponsible adult um, posted on TikTok the ways that you could steal a Kia or a Hyundai because they're made on the plant in Korea. Mm. So <laughs> you would need a screwdriver and a USB cord. That's all you would need to steal um, certain models of Kias or Hondas. So um, it took off and then it went on YouTube and then they made the challenge. And so um, we have youth um, as young as 11 years of age mm. that are involved in the Kia boys. Um, I don't want to glamorize it or even advertise it, but um, if you go on Instagram, CT Kia B-O-Y-Z um, is their profile name. And they wantonly just post them stealing cars, driving erratically, you know, through the neighborhoods, even car crashes. So uh, the the Kia boys, they're not organized chapters, but it seems to be because it's like almost every major city or mid-major city has Kia boys. And then mm. they post Instagram. I'm talking uh, Dayton. I mean, bigger places like Little Rock, mm -hmm. um, Charlotte, but then smaller places like Wilmington, North Carolina. Dayton, New Haven, you know, they have uh, Kia boys, um, so-called chapters. And um, again, some of these guys are as young as 11 years old and mm. they're playing, you know, they said, was it art imitates life? Yeah. Yeah. Now it's like the video games like Grand Theft Auto and things like that. Those thrill seeking games are being played out, you know, in life right now. So it's in reverse where these kids are stealing cars and they're videoing it and you know, you get kids who steal a car and then um, they will link their Bluetooth from their phone to the stereo of the car and, you know, drive around with the music up loud. I mean, how hard is that to solve a case, you know, for a cop to say, OK, let's reverse this and see what the link was, you know, on, on the Bluetooth. Right. Yeah. So um, so with that, I was in Milwaukee uh, last month and we reached out to a program that's similar to ours. And we said, how did you address this? Um, and they they dropped their um, stolen cars up 35%. Mm. In two, but most of it had to deal with Kia, the corporation, giving out the old school clubs, mm -hmm. taking other, um, you know, um, techn technological, um, you know, responses to it so the kids can't steal the cars uh, as readily. So I think they said it's Kia's from 2012 to 2022. The new ones can't be stolen, you know, in a, in a way that the old ones could be. And I know we were passing out the uh, at the substation here. Uh, Lieutenant Przybilski was passing out the the the, the locks yeah. kind of thing. Um, right. But, but, so do, do I have to wait for your your book or your movie or your film or or be, before you hook up with Tyler Perry with all this experience you've had for the last forty years, forty years, or can you can you or do you or can you drop a little? Tease me a little bit about what does that say from a, a an adolescent behavioral standpoint for you when you when you saw this because you work with youth as you say on so, so many variety of levels for several decades. Is this the does it talk about the uh, 
the, the, the appeal and the addiction of social media is to talk about this young people being lost in space like never before. What's your, what's your hypothesis that you've kind of generated? Well, well, well to answer your first question, uh, the movie, I'm just waiting for Idris Elba to be available. <laughs> and once he's available, then, you know, we can talk to Lionsgate, you know, about <laughs> right. I'm pretty strict about who's going to play me in the I think you should play yourself. I think you can do a great job with it. Just yourself. <laughs> Not yet. All right. All right. Again, uh, with the youth, with engagement. I, and I tell you, even with the Kia boys, you know, we know most of them. And, you know, we told them, to look, the Freddie Fixer parade is coming up. Please stand down. Do not put anyone's put anyone at risk or anything. Can you not steal a car for the weekend? And they did keep their promise. They did not. But as soon as the weekend was over, they went right back at it again. So I mean, don't leave us hanging. So you're saying that you're in touch with some of them. They're they're known to you and to others that might be in the the uh, criminal justice the, the 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 police system. Very well known, and you know the youth are saying that, you know. If they get caught, well, first they'll evade the police because they know that the police can't chase. And then, mm-hmm. uh, then you know, if they do get caught, they said, you know, they're going to get a ticket. They'll go to court. There's no room in detention. So nothing's really going to happen to them. And they tell us that. So uh, while we don't have all of the answers, we're doing our piece on this side. We're mm-hmm. trying to change their, their thinking, their mindset, their value system so they can respect other people. Um, and it, it, it respect other people's properties also. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the fact you mentioned that you are in direct communic- well, communication and that, it, and that they did abide by, because cert- certainly the fixer was, was such a celebratory event and I was so optimistic by it. Uh, but but kind of link, let's linger on this point. So what is your, in terms of the, your, your intervention strategies is still trying to, to, to build relationships with them to, are you still exploring what's what's feeding their their commitment to remaining a Kia boy? Is it do you think they'll age out? What what's your where where are you seeing the the exits and the the entrances of in terms of feeding that system? Do you see is it going to be like Boy Scouts and Cub Scouts, or or is it or is it just going to be a, a one off? Again, um, we use cognitive behavioral therapy to try to mm-hmm. deal with the triggers, you know, and their response to things, you know, that may elicit a response. Number mm-hmm. one their emotions and then mm-hmm. to their peer group you know if they're hanging with negative peers most likely they're gonna you know have negative outcomes so we try to change that trajectory and get them involved in more institution whether it's church a gym a basketball team weightlifting martial arts you know where whatever it could be or even mm-hmm. older and then three is the family dynamic you know and that's the tougher part so those are the three criminogenic factors when i work probation when we do our assessments, attitude, negative peer group, and family. Those mm-hmm. are the three factors that really contributed to um, a youth being involved in a criminal justice system. And the family is just a little bit more difficult. Low mm-hmm. home, if the family structure, um, economics, you know, and again, values, values that are twisted that leads them, you know, like, but, you know, I've heard parents say, you know, if, we, if one child is going to fight, they all fight. And that's their family values that, you know, if one fights, they all fight. But if one is about to fight, can the other one tell them to stand down, let's mediate, negotiate, or maybe just ignore it. Mm-hmm. But your system is saying that you have to fight and it's in that family structure, then, you know, that's what you do. Leonard, we have about uh, three more minutes. And I guess I wondered to, to share if, if there's a, if there's a shout out to any particular other organizations, because I'm, I'm assuming that you, you have quote unquote partners, folks that are, that are linking arms with you. You want to give a shout out to whatever groups might be kind of on this crusade and, and battle and, and working in harmony in terms of your, your fulfillment of, of your objective of decreasing violence. Name some, you know, give a shout out if you want to some of the other groups that are kind of supporting you, the organizations, et cetera. I'll say first and foremost, um, New Haven Youth and Recreation Department, you know, led by Gwen Williams, they do a remarkable job, you know, by keeping the kids engaged, keeping them employed, throughout the year, um, getting getting them hooked up with resources like uh, Cornell Scott, um, uh, Clifford Beers, mm-hmm. a lot of traumatized, they have mental health issues, anxiety, depression, and they do a remarkable job, and, you know, and working together, you know, with us in assessment. So the highest risk come to us and we work 
And if the kids need basic needs or other things, they handle that on, on you know, on another level. Mm-hmm. And then with the mental health and the uh, clinical uh, barriers, you know, they do a really, really good job with that. So, um, you know, just to give a shout out to them, you know, they're first and foremost. And um, Pal, Pal has been great. They just started a flag football league uh, for kids 9 to 12. The Police Athletic League, when you say Pal, yeah. or, or whatever, I think they call Police, police Activ- Activity, Activities League now, rather. Yep. Yeah. So um, we've had 100 kids that were um, we had 100 slots and then um, we've only had 40 kids that participated. However, this is the first year mm-hmm. they've done a partnership with uh, New Haven Pop Warner Football, who is the largest. New Haven Pop Warner Football is the largest um, uh, mentoring group in New Haven. We have 300 kids, 300 boys involved. And now we have uh, cheerleading. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. So. 360 kids involved in New Haven Pop Warner Football Association, which well, is great. I'm, I'm born, I was born in Pittsburgh, so when I arrived in New Haven and saw, saw the Steelers, I said, all right, we're, 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 we're cooking. Uh, Leonard, we have, we have two, two more, two more about, about 16 more seconds, so I want to give you the last word, and I'm really glad you mentioned the Pop the pop, the, the pop Warner and the Steelers, because the ladies with the with the cheerleader, they, uh, they, they won the championships in their first year. Absolutely. So that just goes to show there's so much hidden talent that, that's available, but uh, we have about nine, 90 seconds or at the most. So I'm going to give you the last word. No, I just, again, I'll just uh, restate. Everyone has something to give. You know, it doesn't have to be formal, but if you want it structured, you know, there, there are programs like mine, um, Ice the Beef. They deal with youth, not really at the level that we deal with them, the high risk, but um, they run a fantastic arts program. Project Longevity, they changed their mission also. So they're doing a lot of great things in the community also. They had a basketball game, basketball tournament yesterday at Gulf Street Park. Indeed. 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 I, I took I took a hundred pictures, Leonard. Okay. But okay. my memory card was not in the camera. <laughs> you got a lot of practice, huh? I got it. And I've got so I can't tell you. So yeah, that event, that event yesterday, I uh, haven't seen it in the news today. But just so I'm hoping that the independent or the register, someone was there. But yeah, I, I mentioned in public about taking pictures and not having a memory card because we're all human. But at any rate, I digress. But yeah, it was a tremendous event. Uh, hope, hope, hope to see you tomorrow. Thanks so much, man. Leonard Jihad, check him out. Connecticut Violence Intervention Program. Worth our support. Another rhyme, another rhythm for y'all to listen. I'm never quitting on my mission. I'ma roll with what I'm giving. Got some ambition. This new edition, filling positions, looking at devoiding myself and feeling what's missing. Better watch the way you're going. Better go in the right direction. In the moment you're stressing, but you're gonna be glad of blessings. And I know that for certain. Keep on working. Open curtains. Haters swerving because they ain't ready for your final version. I'm never gonna give up. Give up. Fall down. I just gotta get up. Get up. Cause this is my road, let's camera action, I'm ready to go. I'm never gonna give up, give up, fall down, I just gotta give up.